0: So I know that I have shared a little bit more about business and creativity over the last year or so, at least I've talked about it more. Um, And I'm often asked questions like, are you just going to stop encouraging women in their faith or in their relationships? Uh, Because now you are so much more into like the creative business, you know, space. And it's funny because I've always been involved in the creative business space. That's how everything I've done with my work got started. Um, many of you know the Etsy store stories, so I won't bore you with that. But um, it's just funny because I'm like, wait, what do you mean? This has always been part of what I do as a writer and as a photographer and as a creator. But anyways, um, I get those questions a lot or not a lot, but I get them every now and then. And the reason I think for that is because the subjects, a lot of my content or what I would write on for a long time, um, what it focused on was like more faith and relationships. And so um, when I started introducing a little bit more of this other element of my life that I didn't necessarily write about so much or share about so much, I started to get a few of those questions. And when I was first asked that question, I'll be honest, I didn't really understand why I was being asked. I was a little bit confused because I didn't have any thought in my head that somehow Uh, creativity or career or small business somehow conflicted with those other subjects. I thought that it really well complemented. But the more that I was asked this question a couple times, the more I realized I think so many people have this underlying belief that it has to be either or, that either you're a girl boss, if you will, like that's kind of the the definition or not the definition, the, the term that's sometimes coined. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it. But my point is either you're a girl boss or you're a good Christian or a good wife or good mom or whatever. And if I'm honest, I think I started to subconsciously believe that for a little bit too. And I think part of that is for many reasons, but partially because sometimes when you hear the phrase like women in business or female entrepreneurship, you think like big, massive CEO, like super independent, doesn't want anything to do with family. Like we kind of have, we kind of associate that word with this woman who puts her family second, right? Because we think all about achievement and success and money. And that's not the only way to go about a career, but I think that's sometimes what we see in media and what we feel, even the pressure to be at times. And so there's this conflicting message that I think can happen. And if I'm honest, like I said, I think I begin to, I began to subconsciously believe that for a little bit myself. And I wrestled with it. And then at one point I was like, God, why did you make me so like ambitious like this? Why do I love marketing? Why do I love creativity? Why do I love business? Like, why can't I just love ministry and sitting at home and be content with that? Like, why? Why do I like this? You know. Um, Um, And then it was funny because it's almost like I think God kind of winked back at me and he was like, hey, don't put me in a box. Like business is a way to do ministry. And I was like, oh, (laughs) ooky. Um, But anyways, you know, I've spent hours on phone calls with women in my life who kind of find themselves in the tension of the same thing. They're creators. They contribute different things in different ways and a lot of them in the business space. But they also you know, our wives are soon to be moms or current moms and a lot of them believers and feel that same wrestling and that same lie. Actually, one of my friends, she owns a marketing agency and she loves Jesus Um, and she expressed the same experience. She told me, I used to resent the fact that I was so good at social media that online marketing came easy to me. It felt like, I don't know, unhumble. Is that a word? And I was like, Girl, first of all, totally a word. Second of all, totally a real struggle. And you basically just took the words out of my mouth. So anyways, I have just, I I decided to create this episode because I've had more women than I can count reach out to me, not just my own friends, but like people online too, and share that they're building this photography business and it's starting to take off or this blog or this t-shirt company or a marketing agency, or they're, you know, crushing it as a lawyer or whatever, like whatever they're doing. And they feel weird about making maybe more money than their husbands, at, at, like at a point or for a season, or that they hate the idea of having to raise their prices and ask for more money, or that marketing themselves on social media feels prideful and very unChristian of them. <laughs> and before I dive into my response to this struggle, or in other words, kind of the four core lessons that I've had to learn over the last couple of years, I first want you to understand why I have shared a little bit more and opened up more about my heart and for small business when it comes to or. For my heart for women in small business and why I've really been more of an open, like more openly advocating for that. Um, I guess the best way to say it is one of the biggest reasons that I'm a proponent of small business for women is because I think it's so stinking incredible that our generation actually has the opportunity to create a job on the internet from home in our sweatpants, like something we can do without having to leave our home, without having to leave the spaces that we also raise families in. And so it was interesting because I went to a business conference a year and a half or so ago and Um, One thing I noticed, I just I don't know why I took notice of this, but I found that if I looked at the percentage, it was like the majority of women at this specific conference were in their 40s and 50s wanting to learn how to do this kind of thing so that they could have more flexibility to be with their middle school or high school age kids before they leave for college. But then I realized there was like this small percentage of people there that was in their twenties and thirties. It wasn't nearly the majority, but I realized like these women are looking for this direction too. And these women are in a different season of life and have this opportunity to kind of set this thing up for themselves before they even have kids, before we even have kiddos or when our kiddos are still young. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this huge like light bulb went off in my head. It's like I always kind of knew that. And if I really reflect back on my why when I even started my little Etsy shop as a, as a college student, I remember it was because I was like, I just don't want to go work in an office every day. And not that there's anything wrong with a job like that. It just wasn't a desire of my heart. I was like, I want to be able to be at home and like take kids lunches and <laughs> stuff, you know, like help them when they need help, like on my own schedule and not be run by someone else's schedule. And so that became very important to me as I was really starting to look ahead of my career when I was first, you know, when I was just a college student. And so I think that was, in many ways, it's interesting to look back and think that's what was on my heart and my mind, even though I wasn't even married or even, you know, and I wasn't even at that stage of life to even really be thinking about that. But I was looking ahead and thinking that's the desire of my heart. I want to be able to have flexibility and to be able to work from home. So let me like start playing around with some things, even though I didn't really know exactly what it would lead to. And that's kind of how I got started was just like, I'm going to start this Etsy thing and see where it leads. And it's led to a lot of amazing things. So anyways, I share that because I know it can be a tough balance. I know that all of us are in different seasons. You might not be at all interested in business because I think, again, we all have different stories and seasons and interests, but you might be or you might currently be a business owner. Or you might be a career woman and you know maybe doing a side hustle on the side or something like that. But Anyways, I basically thought I would put together the four lessons that I have learned over the last year or two when it comes to being both a boss in my small business, in my podcast business, book business, those types of things, a follower of Jesus, and a wife and, you know, woman who wants to have a family. So let's just dive right into these lessons. I think they're going to relate to you a lot, I hope. (laughs) And if you ever feel this tension or this pressure, I think this is going to help out a lot. You're listening to She, with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Okay, let's dive right into it. Lesson number one, the first lesson I have learned over the last year or two of the navigating this journey myself is that I had this, I just came to this realization that being a creative business owner and a Christian wife do not actually conflict with each other. In other words, being successful as a creative does not make you a bad Christian or any less of a Christian. In fact, if I believe that it's that it's true that I am made in the image of God and was created to create, then my response to that reality should to be create to be to create as well as I possibly can, and to do it with excellence and to do it with diligence. Whether it's in, you know, the entertainment space or the government space or the formal ministry space or the business space or something else, right? So. If in the context of small business or creative small business, this is true, right? Being successful in your career or in your creative business is not something to feel guilt over. It's something to steward and to use to bless your marriage and your family if you find yourself in that situation and with that tension. You know, I think far too many extremely talented and capable women really can sometimes hold their gifts and glorious contributions back from the world. And I honestly think it's time we just change that and flip that script a little bit. Not in a way that's like hustle culture, not in a way that's like neglect everything else that's important because nothing matters more than your dreams. I am so tired of like that undertone of a message that I think we just hear all the time. It's it's like, no, obviously you have to know what your priorities are, but that doesn't mean that forever you must, you know, just play small, if you will. There's going to be times where you have opportunities to try something. And I think it can be whether that's some, in something you've already established or in something that you want to, to want to establish or want to try. And so, I don't know. I just think when we can actually align what it is that we're doing creatively or in an entrepreneurial way or in our careers with our ultimate life mission, and we can really make those things run alongside of each other rather than running away from each other, that's when we can really, uh, I guess, align the calling and the career or the mission and the purpose and and the specific tasks that we're doing as a result of those things. So that is lesson number one. Lesson number two is that there are going to be times that you will probably desire to succeed or do massively huge things. You might have this crazy big vision. And what I want to just speak into that is that it's okay and it's good and it's admirable. And speaking kind of into that same uh, vain, if you will, uh, on not holding yourself back, like don't hold yourself back and call that humility. If you're simply not going for it because you don't think you should, but you don't have a legitimate reason, like I have a newborn and I need to be present right now. Like I can't steward to, you know, babies right now. That's fine. Like that's different. But if you're just like, ah, I just don't really know if I should, or you're holding yourself back or, you know, self-sabotaging literally, I don't necessarily think that that's humility. I think it's often fear or even false humility. And I think sometimes fear can paint itself as humility, which ultimately is false humility. So I think ultimately though, what's important to understand is where it gets dangerous is when our goals stop being important things and start becoming ultimate things. And you've probably seen this, right? Quite a bit. you seen where like like reaching a goal or a benchmark or revenue like goal is like the ultimate obsession and while I totally believe in having measurables like you have to measure things, right? What gets measured gets done. It's like a really important thing to think about. Like if it's measured it, or if you're working for something that you can actually tangibly measure and you have measurable concrete goals, it's really helpful. But I think where it gets dangerous is when those measurable goals stop being important things and they start becoming ultimate things. Like When they are the altar, we sacrifice all other values or priorities in our life at even not even, like we wouldn't say that probably, but by our behavior and where we invest our time and our talent and our energy and all of those things, when when those, are the, when those goals, those career goals are the altar we sacrifice all other values in our life at, that's when something stops becoming a goal and it really starts becoming a god or an idol, right? And as an achiever, I'll be honest, like I can struggle with this at times, but that doesn't mean I need to shame myself for being ambitious or just stop having, you know, any kind of drive or gumption. It's just like I need to Have some boundaries on it. And, you know, I I often talk about like when you have big goals, like put a couple boundaries on it just so that goal doesn't necessarily take over your life. Because if you start seeing progress, it can be really exciting and it almost can like snowball into all you focus on is achieving that goal. And so I want to give you some practicals though when it comes to when I say like putting some boundaries on it because it can sound cool or not cool. It can sound good in some ways, but it can sometimes feel a little bit like, well, how do I actually do that? So a couple things that I would say is. It, it's really helpful to intentionally look ahead and pre-designate. Okay. I'm looking at my year or I'm looking at my next quarter, like which of these weeks or which of these months is going to be like our hustle months or our busy months or my busy months. And which of these are going to be the months that I designate to slowing down or the weeks that I designate to slowing down? Or how can you work that into every every week? How can you work that into every month? And then how can you look at the whole year that way? So being a little bit proactive and building in pockets kind of for both because there's seasons where both are necessary um, or each what where you Each one is necessary. That can be such a helpful discipline. You just have to be a little bit proactive with it. The second thing I'd say is to also, like I just mentioned about doing this within your weeks and your days, building in some consistent rhythms of rest into a weekly schedule is also really helpful. Like, having an actual Sabbath on Sunday, like taking an actual day of rest on Sunday. But I can, you know, I can understand if it's hard because it took us a while to even get to a point where we were doing it A, consistently, but B, able to kind of really unplug. And so what I would say is do like two hours on a Sunday afternoon with no phone. Then as as you get used to doing that week by week, like add another hour and eventually you'll be at four hours, five hours, six hours. So sometimes it's good to start small, just like building up for a marathon. Our bodies and our brains aren't really used to really truly being restful (laughs) and unplugged. So it takes some time to sometimes acclimate, but it's good to just start building that habit. So that's another way. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com she thrivemarket.com she. Hey everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake up call. And another way to do that is again these are, these are things that require you to be a little bit proactive but determining non-negotiables ahead of time is also so so helpful. And when I say non-negotiables what I essentially mean by that is determining like what is it that I'll say yes to and what is it that I'll say no to ahead of time. So what are my things that I'm absolutely not going to do? What are the things I'm committing to doing? And so even just something like I'm not going to travel more than twice a month. This, you know, every month throughout the year, or maybe that's once every other month for you. Like what is actually sustainable for you? Um, it could be, I'm not going to speak for less than this price point. Meaning, you know, if you do, if you're a speaker, you require, you have opportunities to speak. You can kind of put like a, a, a bottom floor, if you will, or like a, a boundary on, Hey, if I'm not going to be paid at this kind of, um, I'm looking for the word and I can't think of it, but <laughs> kind of this benchmark or this bottom line, like this is my minimum, if you will, that I will say yes to, um, that can also help you really be more intentional about what you're saying yes to and no to. And especially when you have a clear why, that really also helps you say and and determine like, does this align with where I'm going and why I'm doing it? And if it doesn't, then if it doesn't steward the vision and the mission, then I'm not going to do it. So those are a few things you can do to kind of get a little bit clearer <laughs> uh, and a little bit uh, more practical, like the practical steps that it takes to actually put a little bit of boundaries on this so that your goals are stewarded, so that your goals are taken care of, that they are things that you work toward, but that they're realistic and they are um, in their proper place and not becoming like you know, taking over your life. So, um, I guess my point here is to keep your greater purpose in mind. Honestly, no matter how much you love your work by intentionally building your work around your life, not your life around your work, you're going to be able to operate from a place of purpose and overflow rather than burnout and obligation. So keeping your biggest goals in their proper place ultimately will allow you to flourish as a business owner, as a career woman, as a wife, and in your overall life. Okay. The third lesson that I want to point out is sometimes you will feel like the worst and be tempted to give up. <laughs> Seriously, you will have days that you think you totally suck and you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. You might be having one of those days right now, uh, whether that's in business or at being a wife or in your faith or in all of the above. And um, just want to give you a little heads up. This is actually very normal. Uh, comes with the territory. <laughs> uh, one key lesson that I've had to learn is to really try not to pull discouragement from one area of life to another. We if you're anything like me, we wear a lot of hats. And I think what I, what I'm trying to say by, or what I'm trying to get across is that let's say, for example, I have an off day with writing or with work. I can begin to feel like a failure as a creative when I do that. Right. And while that's not a lie in and of itself, I also have to be careful not to let that feeling spill over into how I view myself as a Christian or as a wife to my husband or these other important roles and parts of my identity. Um, I think it can be really easy to say, oh, I suck as a creative and I just suck as a wife too. And like, I'm just a really crappy Christian and just going into like, we just like, like, it's like a downward spiral of doom, you know, it's so ridiculous. And so I have to be really careful not to do that. And on the flip side, you know, it can go the other direction too. If I feel like a failure as a wife, like maybe I'm just not like, I don't know, whatever. If there's an argument or if we're not seeing eye to eye, or if I'm just kind of feeling like, man, I feel bad, I've been nagging him a lot recently, or whatever, like those things that can get us down, I have to be careful not to let that ruin my entire day of work too. And I'll be honest, like that is way easier said than done. It's a lot, it's really difficult to compartmentalize something and be like, okay, I need, like, this is important, but right now I need to focus my brain on this thing. And then I come back to that and resolve it or, you know, get back at it stronger. So, I know it's much easier said than done, and some days I flat out fail at it, as you probably will too, but I think the key here and what I'm trying to get at is the importance of having an awareness so that we can be a little bit more proactive when we inevitably come face to face with this so that we can respond to when this starts to happen rather than react and then just get totally down on ourselves and downward spiral really fast. So keep a little bit of an eye out for that and just be aware and a little bit more aware so that when you do have one of those moments where you just feel like all your creative work or your your whatever you're doing in your career, your business is just spiraling. Don't let that start to turn into, and I'm a sucky wife and I'm a bad Christian and wah, wah, wah. You know, we can become whiny really fast sometimes. So anyways, just keep that in mind. Okay. Lesson number four is that you will probably feel the pressure to be perfect, especially as a believer in marriage or in business. So a friend sent me a text message the other day and asked what she should write about on her social media page for her personal brand because she's trying to build her personal brand. And I responded basically by asking her what she loved most or felt like she could talk about for hours and she goes well I really love God and I also really love social media and business I think is what she said or I really love God and I really love business something like that and so she went on to tell me about how she gets so tripped up on combining these things though because she knows she's imperfect and isn't always going to hit a home run in business right and that she's afraid to be open about her faith in that space because of the fear that if she does mess up she will somehow confuse people or misrepresent God and I was like oh my gosh you you just like summarized what I experienced and I just really understood that tension and I think that pressure can be relevant in both marriage and in business or whatever it is that we do professionally as a believer and even if you're not a believer I think it's important for you to listen to this because it's uh it, it will help you understand if you know maybe you know a Christian who's you know very like open about their faith and yet they seem to do things that don't always align with their faith that they make mistakes or you know you don't agree with some of the things that they've chosen to do or whatever it's like and you're starting to think like they're a hypocrite, like Christians suck, you know? Uh, well, it's probably true. Like we're all hypocrites in some ways because we're all imperfect and flawed and don't always live up to exactly what we say we believe, and that's why we need God. I think it's a lot of times that can be confusing. But, anyways, not to go off a rabbit trail there, off on a rabbit trail there, but I think that's just important to make a note of. But, anyways, you know what she was getting at is like it's almost as if when you're open about your faith, people almost expect you to be flawless in in work or in marriage, and. I, I think I, the way I, I, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like those people who think you just must have a perfect marriage because y'all are you know, you go to church or y'all like love Jesus, or let's just call them people who maybe criticize you, like maybe just send you like a sassy email or off the cuff because they didn't like the way your policy was. And they happen to know you're a Christian because they follow you on Instagram and saw something about that, right? Like those emails or those messages that come in like, well, if you were really a Christian, you would do this or that for free, or you wouldn't have this policy or you would do that, like whatever they manipulate in their mind to think like what you're supposed to do. Um, or if you just didn't handle it well, because you're a human and you don't always, you're not always going to handle things well, right? Like you're not perfect. Um, I know it can be so hard when we get messages like that. And so anyways, my friend and I started talking about this and she just basically brought it up. Like, I don't want to misrepresent God, but I also, and I also don't want to confuse people when I inevitably make a mistake. If I'm like open about the fact that I'm a believer and then they see me do imperfect things. Like if they have this, if they don't understand like that, I'm a believer because I'm imperfect and need God versus I'm a believer and therefore I'm perfect, which is generally what people think believers think. <laughs> I just, that thought was a really hard thing to say. Um, but anyways, so we start talking about this cause it is a really, can sometimes be a hard combination but here's what I responded. I said, look, I relate to this on so many levels. By the way, I'm going to read like verbatim or I, I basically re-listened to my audio message I sent back to her and I pasted it here or I typed it here. So I'm going to tell you exactly pretty much what I said to her. So I said, look, I relate to this on so many levels. It really is a battle. When you, when people know that you love God and when you also create something of your own, there's that fear that if you ever mess up or make a bad decision, that's a reflection of God or affirms people's beliefs or stereotypes. Stereotypes about Christians being hypocrites. But here's what I realized a few months ago there is simply no other way. There's really no other way to do business as a believer than with God at the center so he can cover our imperfections. And ultimately, we really are in the business of serving God regardless of what our specific businesses are. So I think I just try to keep that perspective that I'm I'm ultimately going to rub some people the wrong way. And there will be times people don't understand or I do make a mistake, but I've just had to try to accept the fact that it's going to happen and to do my best to avoid it, but accept the fact that I'm not going to strike out, you know, I'm not going to bat 10 out of 10 every single day. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's easy when it does happen, when people are disappointed or confused or angry or even sassy or rude over emails. That doesn't mean I don't need to vent or cry about it when people question my character or my faith because of a business mistake. That's part of being human. But I think we actually misrepresent God more when we withhold that part of our identity in our business or our or in our work. And that's not to say we need to go beat people over the head with the Bible or be, and be flashy. About it, like, hey, look at me, I'm a Christian. But openly sharing what influences the decisions we make and who we are and how we serve, even if we do that imperfectly, and at least be open to constantly being refined, I don't think that's misrepresenting God. I think that's actually glorifying God. We are created to create, to create a home, to create a family, to create goods and services, to contribute to the flourishing of mankind. So All that to say, I get it, it's a valid fear, but I think at the end of the day, it's a fear of man. It's a fear of other people's opinions. It's a fear that when I make mistakes or I'm not as strong in my faith as I should be or whatever that looks like, people will think it's a representation of God. But if they do, we also have to remember that that's a reality of being human like we can try to explain it in the best way possible and there will still still be some who don't quite understand so as long as we're open and and honest as we can be about the fact that we need god in our businesses and in our marriages if we're talking about this in kind of both situations if we need God in our businesses because we're because we going to make mistakes, not because we're somehow immune to making mistakes as a result of that, it essentially is just saying like, look, I, I need him to cover them and redeem those mistakes. So anyways, I basically summarize my message with, I just try to keep this perspective. It's not easy. I struggle with it too, but hold on to those components of who you are because they are literally your gifting to the world and you shouldn't withhold any piece of that or apologize for it. I'd like to add, add in, even though I didn't send them the message, but whew, I know that's a long message, but I listened back to it. And I wrote it down because I think it's something I needed to, I need to be reminded of when I begin to feel the the pressure to be the perfect leader or the perfect wife or the flawless creative or the, you know, mistakeless business owner. simply because I'm open about the fact that I'm a Christian. And that was never meant to come with that, like that burden or that, that fear, like it's meant to create freedom, but we often immediately associate it with, oh, well, people have this idea that Christians are supposed to like never mess up. So, um, when I do, I'm going to confuse, Right. But here's the deal. It's just not sustainable. (laughs) It's not sustainable to try to live that way. And if I've learned anything, it's this, the pressure to prove that you're perfect, that you're strong, that you're a great Christian, that you're, you know, got a great marriage, that you're, you know, an awesome business owner or whatever the thing, the pressure to prove doesn't come from God. It comes from the mean girl inside of you. And I'm going to say that again, the pressure to prove doesn't come from God. It comes from the mean girl inside of you, that voice that tells you you're not good enough, the voice that tells you you're going to confuse people, the voice that says you're a hypocrite, the voice that basically highlights all of your insecurities rather than truth. And you have to decide how much weight that voice is going to hold in your life and how much you're going to allow it to hold you back. Got it? (laughs) So there you have it. Four lessons I've learned being a Christian wife, a creative, a writer and business owner. It's a lot of hats and it can be hard to kind of balance them all, especially when I'm openly and unapologetic or open and unapologetic about the fact that I have a strong faith. Well, not always have a strong faith. I mean, like I said, we all go through deserts. But my point is when you're open about that, it can be hard. But these are a few of the lessons I've learned and trying to maintain or hold tight to them when I don't, when I'm struggling in one of the, one of these areas or with one of these things can be really, really helpful. So I hope this was helpful. I'm curious what you think of this episode or what you thought of it. So while you're still listening, can you do me a quick favor and snap a quick screenshot while you're listening and throw it up on your Instagram story. Then I want you to tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley, and then tell me what your favorite takeaway or which one of these lessons was your favorite. Uh, I really want to hear from you. I'm curious if any of these resonated with you or if you relate to any of the pain points or struggles I highlighted in this episode. And if any of the lessons helped you or shifted your mindset in any way. So be sure to tag me, tell me your favorite, uh, your favorite takeaway or your favorite lesson. I can't wait to see it and possibly even share it. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me, at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in.